Welcome to the BioCurious Podcast, a place for you to be curious about your biology and discover new ways to upgrade and optimize your mind, body, and human performance. The guests on this podcast are trained experts in the fields of functional health, holistic wellness, and biohacking who share my passion to provide useful and actionable information with all of you that I hope will help you to live your best life. I'm so happy that you're here, and I'm excited to get curious together. Today, we're talking about holistic dentistry with Dr. Dominic Nischwitz, who is a specialist in biological dentistry and ceramic implants. He is the president of the International Society of Metal-Free Implantology and teaches worldwide to establish consistent biological dentistry as the next level of dentistry. His passion for optimal health, high performance, and nutrition led him to develop the food design concept and the bone healing protocol, which he uses with his patients to boost their healing process. He also recently published his first book on biological dentistry that will be available in the U.S. in early 2020, so be sure to look out for that one. On this episode, we discuss what biological dentistry is, the pitfalls of conventional dentistry, everything you need to know about implants, root canals, and fillings, why amalgam fillings are harmful to your health, why it's important to have a specially trained dentist remove amalgam fillings, the safe way to remove amalgam fillings, why you should never get a root canal, why ceramic implants are the best and safest kind, how ozone stem cells and good nutrition can supercharge healing, why your mouth microbiome is just as important as your gut microbiome, why gingivitis and or what gingivitis and leaky gut have in common, the risks of having metal in your mouth, how to find a holistic or biological dentist in your area, and why managing stress is the most important biohack of all. Dr. Dom, thank you for joining. And um, before we kind of get into our discussion, which I'm sure will be really juicy, all about things that are happening in the field of dentistry and health in general, um, but can you tell us a little bit more about your background and how you got into this field of work? Of course. Thank you, Kyla, for having me. Um, yeah, actually, it all started like almost 16, 17 years ago. Um, basically with myself trying to yeah, optimize my health or improve, um, starting with working out and like initially got involved with food and nutrition. This was kind of like at the same time when I started studying dentistry. So actually the whole time I was studying dentistry, this is about five years in Germany. Um, I was interested in nutrition, biochemistry, chemistry, physics. You have to learn all this in university too. But I was only interested because of sports performance, all these things. So, yeah, where the biological dentistry in, in school is more like the mechanically, the mechanical craftsmanship, what you learn, you also have to learn all these um, yeah, things like physics, chemistry, biochemistry. But it's mostly the mechanics and yeah I was just interested in all these things for me and after graduating from school so I wasn't even sure if dentists will be the right thing for me I always liked the, the, the craftsmanship I was very good with my hands and and I wanted to become a prof uh, I wanted to become a dental surgeon or an oral surgeon so I had a, had a chance to work with a very good one right after university. You have to do an assistancy in Germany. It's about two years before you can open your own um, clinic or office. And he was, he's an old school dentist, super good with, with titanium implants. I wanted to learn implantations right from the scratch or like oral surgery. But at the same time, he was doing amalgam fillings. Um, you're probably familiar with these black amalgam fillings. And yeah. I was mostly driven, back then I was mostly driven by aesthetics, also um, for working out and muscle and performance. And I could, I, I told him I just cannot do amalgam fillings, they're just too ugly. And I knew from my dad, he's also a dentist, um, that he wasn't doing amalgam fillings ever since like 
the early 90s. And I didn't even, I didn't really know why. I, he just told me something about toxic, but in university you just learn it's a perfect material. You could use it, it's easy, it's safe, it will last forever. But I told my boss back then, no, I won't do amalgam because first thing, if you have to do amalgam fillings or remove amalgam fillings, then it's in, in the office, it's um, highly toxic stuff that has to be transported a special way. And I wasn't sure if that's a good idea to do toxic stuff in the mouth of my patients, if it's yeah, so detrimental. Then everything I've learned before in the five years of school, with nutrition, supplements, all the stuff I did besides university, that all now opened a whole new universe for me because basically detoxification, heavy metals, all these things is biochemistry and you need a lot of micronutrients, macronutrients, food is involved. So now everything made sense for me and I started to like implement everything I learned from amalgam removal under special precautions and the first year after university, I kind of thought that amalgam is the holy grail to remove it safely, detox the patient. This is going to make patients healthy because I was always searching for this part. I didn't know back then. I didn't know that I was searching for health. I was only thinking, huh, conventional dentistry is something is missing. Actually, everything I do is kind of like self-tested or, yeah, it comes from strong self-motivation. So also the stuff with the with learning everything for diet, just to improve myself because I wasn't the healthiest kid. I was a good athlete, but always had like chronic um, tonsillitis, a lot of chronic things, took millions of antibiotics, got medication against acne and stuff. So initially um, I learned stuff on myself. And when I learned it on myself, um, on, and I'm able to improve myself, um, I'm actually able to help patients. Yeah, and it took me about four to five years. I did neurotherapy courses, injection skills. I even have a fun uh, did functional medicine and I'm a naturopathic doctor because I thought, okay, I'm in nutritional IVs, this is my thing, I have to learn all this and I'm not allowed to do this as a dentist. So I also, um, became a naturopathic doctor. It took about five years after university to really figure out that actually dentistry is the spot where I have the most impact in terms of healing or helping patients getting as healthy as possible, as fast as possible. Kind of like health starts in your mouth. Dr. Dick Klinghardt was one of my biggest mentors here and he told me that um, it's not just amalgam, it's the root canals, it's the cavitations. I don't know if you heard of cavitations. It's uh, the layman's term for, for chronic silent inflammation in jawbones called, in a medical term called fatty degenerative osteonecrotic jawbone. And these are silent inflammations. They're most of the times yeah, happening after extraction of, for example, wisdom teeth or actually whenever you remove teeth because the body is not able to regenerate or build bone because it's kind of like in chronic hibernation mode because of the wrong diet, no preparation of the patient, low vitamin D3, low minerals, no low cofactor, you name it. And this is something that is not actually medically accepted right now, or it's just starting to, even it's something super old. So the research is at least 40, 50 years old. You can find it under ischemic bone disease, fat FDOJ in English, or even the, the layman's term cavitations. So I had a few patients coming in and one is, a, one is still in my mind. He's like 24 years old and he told me, can you help me in any way? I tried every doctor imaginable and I'm puking every night for the last five years and nobody can help me. And I'm already in the field of like, I'm a psych, like psychosomatic. Maybe you find something. I just did a panoramic x-ray and we, I just saw like that it has a massive inflamed root canal tooth, lower left molar, like a huge cyst, like something that has to be taken care of even from conventional dentistry. And I told him, hmm, this tooth is sitting on your stomach and large intestine. Like it's kind of like in between the meridians. Let's just take it out. Um, 
under precautions and we will just see what happens. I cannot guarantee anything, but this looks like something this is really stressing your immune system and really has to be dealt with. So I took out his tooth, disinfected it with ozone, used everything I had back then. I didn't have ceramic implants back then. Um, or not the immediates I'm now known for specializing. And I removed his tooth and starting for the first night, he didn't puke anymore. He didn't even puke a week later. He didn't puke any anymore at all. We tested him with ART later on and found out that he's not, he's a, he cannot methylate pretty good. So he had a few snips. So he needed a little bit of genetic bypass with micronutrients. So I did his food and nutritional protocol. And we also found out that he was doing something with metals in terms of computers and stuff to make some money extra as a student and without any protection, like working with metal fumes on the basis that he couldn't detox. So we removed this and six months later, he was like back 10 kilos heavier, back to judo, back to his performance. And from this point on, when I, when I got really consequent about biological dentistry, these, I would say, health improvements they just came like naturally. And I finally felt, damn, maybe the whole functional medicine approach and everything I learned about nutrition and food and all these now you would say maybe biohacks um, I can actually help uh, pack this in a full concept. And the only thing I was missing back then as a surgeon was a alternative for root canals and for these uh, titanium implants. So I found my next mentor, which is Dr. Ulrich Foltz. And he's known as the Zirconia implant Pope. He's the one that he has an own, his own ceramic implant company and he's doing this for about 20 years so he's 20 years older than me and yeah i did an internship with him i shadowed him for one day and after 10 minutes i i was able to see that he's also a great skilled surgeon but he's doing white implants instead of titanium so i thought damn now the now the whole concept is complete i can start doing something for my patients' bodies that is 100% biocompatible. There's no more need for metals or any foreign material. Yeah, and from this day on, I was able to place ceramic implants. So now, five years later, even seven years later, it's a full concept. It's called biological dentistry. We're training dentists. We have a full curriculum. You can become a specialist in biological dentistry and ceramic implants. Consequent biological dentistry should become the next level of conventional dentistry because actually not going besides the high-tech manual labor, it's going on top of it because the basis must be that you're very good with your fingers and with your hands and that you have the skills for the craft. But on top, and this is for me the fulfilling part, you're now able to help patients become healthy. The oral cavity, and this is the biggest contributor to chronic disease. Some even say it's 80%. But also back then and still now, I think it's still a big missing link that of course people are talking in podcasts about detoxification, about heavy metals, what to do, how detoxif how the enzymes work. But I never like, or pretty rarely hear somebody talking about that you actually have to find a dentist who is skilled to remove, for example, metals safely, who is able to, right. who is able to look at root canals from a biological point of view, remove mm -hmm. them safely. And what we do, we remove them. And at the same time, after cleaning the bone and the socket perfectly, because our focus is just health. It's not the implant. The focus is how can I get my patient as healthy as possible? So I will clean everything. We will use ozone. We use APRF membranes, which is kind of like a platelet-rich fibrin membrane or a type of PRP where we centrifuge the blood of the patient before. And it contains stem cells. We make, and it contains growth factors. It's a membrane, kind of like, acts like a matrix. You, we will place that in the sockets or around to build bone and tissue. And we use the implant just at the end when everything is clean, disinfected with ozone, with neurotherapy, you name it. And then we place the implant. Why? Because now your body anyways wants to heal the bone and what the implant does. And this is called in, in dental terms, it's called 
guided bone regeneration, we will use the implant kind of like as a plug. You plug it into the socket and because it's ceramics, it's totally neutral. There's no uh, inflammatory cytokines involved like KNF-alpha, interleukin-9s, beta, and NF-kappa, etc. And it will just be there kind of like a tent pole. And then we will be able to attach the, the gingiva, the periosteum to the implant, place the membranes underneath and create a kind of like a bone container. So actually we're able to build bone and tissue by inserting the implant if possible. So I'm doing most of the times actually immediate ceramic implants, which is still, if you see it in the overall dental world, it is in the zero, zero, zero percentages. So, Can you explain what the risks are with a traditional implant? And then also you mentioned amalgam fillings. And this is something that I think a lot of people have heard about lately. And maybe they don't fully understand what the problem is with those. And especially the problem with getting those removed properly. So can you go into the risks yeah. with traditional dentistry? So I wouldn't say risk at all. Uh, maybe yeah. um, traditional dentistry is mainly mechanically oriented. So because we, the dentist like hundred years ago, wasn't even a medical doctor. Now we are medical doctors and the approbation for the dentist was up until this year from 1954. So the only focus the dentist had and has in university is teeth for biting. It just has to work for biting. So they use a lot of like mechanical materials like amalgam or gold fillings or different alloys of metals in your mouth just to help your teeth when there was a hole in your teeth or cavity. Um, just to be able to bite. The same goes for root canals. Root canals is initially a pain treatment um, so that you can keep the tooth as a biting instrument. So this is the classical view of dentistry. And on top, you know, which is like also prominent, of course, is aesthetic dentistry, which is also just high-tech dentistry and you use more biocompatible uh, materials. So that at least it looks nice. But for a lot of people, it's only the looks. What's underneath the look is not even interested. So root canals, for example, are basically the vital organs. A tooth is an organ, kind of like a stomach or a liver with a blood supply. It has a lymph supply. It has an autonomic nervous system. There's a sympathetic and a parasympathetic nervous system in the tooth. If you have this massive pain and then you need a root canal, to like get rid of the pain. What the dentist actually does is removing the vital organ, which is the blood supply, the immune system, the nervous system and the lymphatics and just placing kind of like, yeah, it's called Guta Percha and other things into this um, root canal system and just leaves the dead, now dead tooth, so non-vital organ in your body. And from a craftsman point of view, this is totally fine because you can still bite on it. You understand? But from a medical point of view, it was never a good idea to leave a dead organ in your body. And the thing is, if you, for example, have a root canal tooth and there's no more blood, no more immune system, and you look at the, the tooth from an um, electron microscope point of view, you have these little tiny channels, they're called dentin tubules, and you have about um, 30 to 75,000 dentin tubules per square millimeter. And these dentin tubules become the perfect cave for bacteria, mostly anaerobic bacteria that anyways live in your oral cavity, because your oral cavity, cavity is the entrance for your whole system, and it has its own microbiome. And actually, the microbiome in your mouth is um, kind of like quadruple the times of your microbiome in your colon. So, and you want it as diversified as possible, but you don't want too much anaerobic bacteria or like viruses or parasites. And these anaerobic bacteria that also like correlated with periodontitis and other like normal dental uh, problems, they tend to accumulate in these teeth. 
And of course they have a metabolism and they eat our food, like we eat amino acids. And then they produce highly toxic compounds like byproducts or metabolic products. Um, and those are biotoxins called thioether or mercaptanes. This is stuff that they're producing and you can measure this. And this can be a problem for your immune system. You could be allergic to this. You can become allergic to this, but on the other hand, it's super toxic. So it's just a strain on your detoxification system. So your body now has to detox the products that are produced by the bacteria living in the root canal on a daily basis. And if you have now a problem with the detoxification or um, other environmental stresses and you're depleting yourself through the thyroid and all these things on a daily basis, of course you get maybe get some chronic health problems. And if you have an immune system and there's bacteria lurking in your root canal system, then you might up have, end up having some kind of chronic inflammation, for example, on the tip of the root, which is commonly seen on a cone beam CT, like a three-dimensional um, X-ray, where you can see that there is inflammation on the tip. And this is just your immune system trying to protect itself against the bacteria living, lurking, and producing yeah, metabolic active substances um, in your root canal system. So it's really a lot of different uh, views on a root canal, for example. The other thing was the amalgam fillings you mentioned. Amalgam fillings, or just metal fillings in general. I just talk about metal. So amalgam is the black filling that is 50% um, mercury. And mercury is the most toxic, non-radioactive element known to men. And I don't see any point of having this in your mouth. And it's not bound really. So whenever you eat, you grind on your teeth, you go to a professional cleaning, or you use toothpaste over the, over the amalgam filling, you will um, have an increased mercury vapor leaching out of this filling. And mercury vapor is H HGO, so it's easily going through all tissues. It actually goes into your cell and will be catalyzed into HG2 plus and then stays there. There's the half-life of mercury if it's going into your brain. It's about 16 to 30 years, depending on your detoxification enzymes. And if, and if you have a problem with an apolipoprotein, the APE4 allele, you're probably not even able to get it out of the system. So the half-life is even more problematic. And if you had a mercury filling what is known since the 90s, there were studies done by Bimi and Lorscheider. They just um, did amalgam filling or placed amalgam fillings into sheep seed teeth. And they also um, did the study with the, with the monkey. And within, so you place the amalgam filling in the cavity of the tooth. And within 24 hours, the whole jawbone is full of mercury particles because they travel through the nerve and through the dentin tubule mostly into the uh, bone underneath. And also mercury in all these lipophilic um, organs like, like the kidneys, the intestines, the liver, and of course your nervous system later on. There are also studies done in the early 30s of the 1900s, um, as a 1930, 1940, when they placed yeah, toxic croton oil into the cavities of, of dog teeth. And then they were able to, to see that the axon, like the nerve the teeth are on, there's something I have to mention here. The nerve the teeth are allowing on is called the trigeminous nerve. This is the fifth brain nerve and the the most prominent of all 12 brain nerves. So you have 12 brain nerves and the trigeminus takes about 50% of the space all the other um, brain nerves use. So it's a pretty important one. And this trigeminus nerve, well, these are connected to, can transfer toxins, viruses, and bacteria from the teeth through retrograde axonal transfer into your ganglia, into your hypothalamus, basically into your whole nervous system within 24 hours. This was redone in the 70s in the Karolinska Institute. They did it with mercury. So it's pretty clear that mercury will travel through, along through the trigeminous nerve into the brain. Even lead, even other heavy metals, cadmium, 
you name it. And you never know exactly what's in the dental material because below 1%, you, they don't have to tell you what's really in it. So you're never quite sure. That's why biological dentists will use only material that is yeah, as biocompatible as possible. And of course, if you know all these things, you know that removing an amalgam filling without safety, just drilling it out basically, that's what the normal, what you get trained in in school, will lead to way more um, vapor, mercury vapor, than just leaving the filling in your mouth. So before you decide to remove amalgam filling, because you now know that there's mercury in it, 50%, which is chronically intoxicating you, basically. And you have, to, you have to find a dentist who is skilled in removing mercury safely. So there's, there are six-fold measurements we use. And this is not just for the patient problem. It's also for all you dentists out there. You're not having your filling removed once in a lifetime. You're doing this on a daily basis, and you, you're inhaling this vapor when you drill out these fillings. And there are studies showing that um, the pituitary gland of dentists is extremely highly mercury toxic because, of the, because it's so close to the nose and that we breathe it in. So what we use, we use a rubber dam to remove it. The rubber dam won't do a trick with the mercury vapor. The rubber dam is basically to hold all these um, particles so that you don't swallow it. Every dentist who has removed the amalgam filling without a rubber dam knows exactly how that looks. And I know for sure that all this stuff will never come out to the rear end because this is just, yeah, it will just be somewhere in your body later on. And that's why we use the rubber dam. Then we have a special suction on the dental suction. It's called the cleanup suction. It is from the Scandinavian, the Scandinavians designed this. It's kind of like going over your tooth and has this, yeah, it's, um, circulating there and just sucks it up even better and of course if it's a bigger filling we don't even drill at all we try to break it out so that if possible there's no murky vapor then we have a machine called the IQ air which is basically a huge um, suction placed in front of the mouth of the patient which um, should suck up about 99.9 percent .9 of the murky vapor then we will place a, a what is it in English? A nasal probe, or I don't know how you call it. Um, we will bring just regular, um, yeah, just air into your nose. And we, yeah, we can also use glasses or you just tell the patient to close their eyes. And as a dentist, we use a FFP3 protection mask. It's, I don't know what it is in English, actually. It's just a, a mask you maybe know from the fireman that helps you like with them against the mercury wafer so that you don't breathe it in as a dentist and if the filling is then safely removed we will place some kind of binder into the cavity um, we use chlorella we use activated charcoal we use dmsa we use different binders you can name it that, and just leave him there for a few minutes to just help the dental tubules detox a little bit. And if the patient is chronic sick, then we will just place a temporary filling so that the tooth will be able to detoxify itself through the root canal and through the tissue in like the dentins and stuff, dental tubules and stuff. So it's a bigger mm. approach. And we use IV nutrients before, after. We, we, pre, we always pre- Whatever we do, we change the patient's lifestyle. I have, uh, I've written a concept called food design concept. It's basically my take on a healthy approach to nutrition. And the goal here was to an 80-20 principle actually applying on the 15 years of experience I have with food. And whatever diet or trend, even if it's ketogenic, now the vegan trend, paleo, all these different mindsets. I tried all of them for the last 15, 16 years. And yeah, this booklet is only 10 pages long. And it was written so that every patient will read it actually, and then will be easy to implement. So it takes me about one minute at the end 
to individualize it, but all patients will start it generalized before. So it's, we avoid all food intolerances, gluten-free, dairy-free, um, excitotoxin-free, you name it. And we basically go back to a more natural way of eating. I don't care if you're vegan, vegetarian, pegan, ketogenic, doesn't matter. It's based on macronutrients and the right timing. And of course, on a lot of micronutrients and a few different protocols and detoxification protocols or the bone healing protocol, which contains basically like a whole health matrix. I can actually tell you more about this if you're interested, but we make sure that our patient is preparated well. So there's no deficiency in any mineral and no vitamin D3 deficiencies. It's actually your immune system has to be boosted and your nervous system will be ready and your detoxification will be ready for this approach then we remove everything safely and then we place ivs and we use iv nutrients the patient will receive at least three to four nutritional ivs with high dose of vitamin c magnesium minerals procaine and glutathione at the end if you need it if your slips need this and yeah because of this extensive or intensive pre-treatment with lifestyle change, filling up of the micronutrients, the patients coming in, they're waiting at least eight weeks, 10 weeks for their appointment. So we have a lot of time and they come in like super boosted. The vitamin D3 level they come in and have to present with is at least 70 nanogram, which is above the average. So we know that from studies that your immune system will be boosted, your innate immune system will be more aggressive and it's helping kind of like, it's kind of like giving antibiotics, but we do it in a healthy kind of way. And if you walk around nowadays, just think about this. Everybody's talking about 5G, EMF, how to protect against it. Wi-Fi, of course, at nighttime has to be out. Of course, everything shut down. Your, your bedroom has to be a cave, all these things. But what about you having metals in your mouth and the metals act like antenna and there is a Wi-Fi tower close to you. Then you have an interference. For example, the standard absorption rate of um, like the, the mobile phone, if you like, from the cell phone tower to your cell phone, this electromagnetic waves normally go to your cell phone, back to the tower and then that's it. But if you have metals in your mouth or somewhere in your body, the, the electromagnetic field go to your cell phone, then to the metal in your body, and then back to the cell phone and will be amplified by 400 to 700 fold. There's actual studies going on to show this. So it's really a big thing to nowadays even bigger to be metal free, at least. So we will it's probably because we have a special clientele, but we will remove all methods from your oral cavity. Basically, your mouth is a big part of your body. And if you see it from an evolutionary point of view, what is the first thing you come on earth with? It's your mouth. You're going through the birth channel. You get the, the female, your mom's uh, microbiome from down there in your mouth. And your microbiome in your mouth changes. It's a different one when you breastfed. It's totally different when you then start to eat. It's a super different um, uh, microbiome when you're having metals, root canals, and cavitations installed. You can even smell that. Sometimes really nasty. And this, this is just the entrance into your whole field. So there are all these people, all the people are talking about leaky gut and stuff. So what about you having leaky tissue in your, in your oral cavity already? So the gingiva is basically outside skin, kind of like the enterocytes outside skin or your skin. So this is a protection. But you know leaky gut when you may be gluten intolerant or you have infections or heavy metals and stuff, then you, these gut enterocytes rip open and sonulins rip open. Then it's an entrance for pathogens or like undigested food into your system. Basically an entrance for autoimmunity or for... Um, um, allergies and stuff but imagine the same thing happens already at the level of your teeth because the gingiva if it's a little bit inflamed gingivitis and that parotides if there's bone involved bone is inside body so the bacteria they just go into your cell right away straight to your teeth and if you have metal crowns for example or just the metal titanium implant 
the gingiva is not attached to it. It cannot, it's always open. So there's always a flap open, like an open door for invaders into your whole system. The, the, the good thing with ceramics, for example, is that ceramic, your body or your gingiva, your tissue loves ceramics. So ceramic and the, the gingiva, they connect with each other. The, the gingiva actually grows on top of ceramics and also is really nicely stable around ceramic crowns. All aesthetic dentists, all dentists nowadays, they know that the studies at least 10 years old that if you use a ceramic abutment on top of a titanium implant, this is the gold standard now. So it's all just a matter of time and I'm pretty sure the next three to four years, ceramic implants are also the gold standard because I can see it already. Every big company is bringing out ceramic implants. It's just that we're basically more early adopters and had the chance to work with the best in the field. And I'm always, I always try to learn from the best when possible because it's just saving you time because in a time of information, yeah, you, when information doubles every five months, nowadays you get <laughs> tricks and tips. Yeah. So that's what I'm also doing, like bringing big tips and tricks and yeah, basically awesome. inventing inventing things that help me along with my body and my health to get as healthy as possible. And I'm still optimizing every day, whatever I can do, but this became my fulfillment. So having a patient telling you on the next day after this big surgery, which is on one side, super achieving. Yeah. It's really high skilled craftsmanship. You did all these, all these things and then you were very happy, but the patient tells you the next day, my depression is gone. My elbow pain is gone. Oh man, I can breathe deeper. I feel my energy is back. I can think clear. My eyes, my eyesight is better. I just feel in general relaxed. My parasympathetic mode is on. Then it's becoming a fulfilling thing and it's not work anymore. It's just like totally different. So my patients, it's more like um, they're, they're all friends and they're on the journey and they, they also have the obligation, the moral obligation to tell their story because I cannot change anything. I try to give my best and I teach. I'm, I, I calculated that I'm probably able to do 30,000 surgeries in my career. This is nothing, but if we train a legion of biology dentists that are doing, yeah, like let's say just 1,000 dentists doing 30,000, that's already 30 million people we can help with. And, at le and only in Germany by itself are 70,000 dentists. And so far, we only have 25 specialists in biological dentistry and ceramic implants that, that I've examined. So all, all over the world. And there's nobody in the US yet. And there are, of course, people um, doing ceramic implants. And there's the IAOCI, which is this, uh, the US um, Ceramic Implant Society. And it's growing and growing, but I'm only like, when I did the examination, I have the feeling that I would do a surgery underneath this doctor and that's the, the guys I'm basically um, recommending because otherwise it comes backfires to me. <laughs> so, my goal, the goal is like to have this as a new standard. So we have to be really, really scientific and yeah, do as much right. as possible to spread the information. Sorry. Oh, so if, uh, if any of our listeners actually want to find a biologic dentist, where is the best place for them to look to find somebody in their area? If you want to go see a biologic uh, dentist, I, I recommend finding a biologic dentist. And there's, for example, the IAOMT. IAOMT. This is a, um, under, just go there on their website, IAOMT.org, I guess. There you find a lot of dentists that are at least will know how to remove amalgam safely, etc. What we are doing is we are bringing, bringing holistic dentistry on the next level. That means we are just 100% um, consequence. So we don't leave any metal. We, don't, we, we do ceramic implants. We don't leave root canals. It's like in Germany, the holistic dentistry is just evolving. So there's still a lot of people that are doing, for example, a holistic root canal treatment. This is, in my opinion, just not possible because a root canal tooth is a dead tooth. So 
just look up for biological dentists, look at the IOCI for ceramic implants, look at IOMT in the US. I'm so glad that you were able to come on today and teach us a little bit more about why the mouth and why your dentistry is really important and that you should take more of a holistic approach when it comes to dentistry. I know we're running out of time, but I quickly wanted to ask you a couple of questions that I like to ask all of my podcast guests. You may know that in the biohacking world that morning routines are a topic of interest and a lot of people are talking about this. So I was curious if you have a morning routine and if so, what does that entail? Yes, I have a morning routine. And yeah, I didn't know that the biohacking thing existed. I only know it since a half a year, about, around about a, almost a year maybe. And my morning routine is yeah, kind of evolved, but I'm basically waking up at 5 a.m. and initially go to the kitchen and drink some amino acids. It's a formula I invented, which alkalize my body and help with, yeah, of course, everything for neurotransmitters and stuff. And then I head out to the gym at four times, at least four times a week. It, yeah, nowadays I would say it's four times a week. Um, to, for strength training routine. So I do that basically on an empty stomach, just eating these amino acids. We use purified water and structured and everything. Strength training. And then I, after the strength training, I will go to my shop. It's called the Juicery. It's a health food concept store. And I will make myself a post-workout smoothie and to instantly replenish everything glycogen etc so as my physique is quite lean and uh, stuff so my food design is always i told you i'm timing my macronutrients so i will use some carbohydrates after sports and it's basically a mixture out of ketogenic paleoish food with like it's a little bit the same as you doing in the biohacking field that I'm using carbohydrates as needed after sports and in the evening most of the time for neurotransmitters. Then I will go home and I have a family. I have a wife and two sons. The oldest is five. He's, his name is Max. And my younger son is Carl. He's almost three. And my wife is pretty pregnant. She's, her name is Steffi. And you can actually also find her under pretty pregnant in Instagram. But she is really super pregnant right now. So within the next two weeks, there will be the third child of Dr. Nischwitz arriving. So then I, I'm back home at like 7, 7.15 and I'm doing breakfast with my whole family. So it's all quite structured. I'm eating a good food, good breakfast time, enjoying family time. And my office starts at 8 with like my nurses will prepare the patients with the IVs, with the blood draw for the APRF membranes. And then I will bring Maxi to kindergarten at around about 9 and then drive to the office and I'm arriving at the office roundabout at 9.15 and go straight into surgery. So my morning routine is quite the same every day. On the days I'm not going to the gym, I just sleep a little bit longer, maybe 30 minutes longer because my sons anyways wake up at 5, 5.30. So this is kind of the routine. And the breakfast is, it's basically, you would say it's maybe a carnivore approach because I love just, just love meat. And I found out over the years that this is the stuff that sustains me the most. I'm pretty big on quality, so I know exactly where to source my meat from. Today, for example, I had um, lamb from the grill because they just butchered nearby lambs. They're just 100% organic, natural. Ate some vegetables with it. Always drink some coffee. I like the black coffee. I like my wife's signature cashew milk cappuccino. I don't do any dairy. And yeah, smash all supplements. Basically, I have a super structured lifestyle and I have to because I have so many things going on. And at the same time, having a family and they have two priorities. Priority one is health for like me and everybody else. This is top priority. And basically the other priority is also priority one. It's family and friends. So family freedom. So I have to structure all that in. So I have the, the clinic, which is called Dianesthetics, where I will do the surgeries. I also have a supplement company for hypergenic supplements. I have a health food concept stores and I'm doing all these seminars. So I'm pretty busy and 
have to structure all this. Um, yeah, otherwise it probably wouldn't work. <laughs> I love that your morning routine includes breakfast with your family. I think that's awesome. And a lot of people forget to mention that aspect of their morning routine. So I'm really glad that you did. <laughs> yeah, what's really important actually, the whole lifestyle is based around also in the clinic, you will never see me stressed. So I'm measuring everything. I'm trying to stay in the parasympathetic mode as much as possible. Um, the setup is really important. So I have to have my time with my family. This is totally the me time and it's super, yeah, relax. And then when I do surgery, it's just intense. I don't do a lot of breaks in between. I just smash it. And so that, yeah, because so to make time as effective as possible, but at the same time, don't stress. And because yeah. surgery, surgery is all automatic, it's no stress for me. It's just like going to play. I just play. Yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned the stress thing. And maybe this is your answer to my final question, which is, if you could provide one piece of tangible advice to the listeners that they could put into practice in their life right away that would have the greatest overall impact on their health and wellness, what would that be? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically, in nowadays world, it's really important to get out of this chronic activation of the sympathetic nervous system, which is for patients that are chronically sick, I would say sometimes they even... 100% in fight and flight mode for the last 20 to 25, 30 years, and then they crash. So whatever stresses your body, if it's, you just have to see your, the HPA axis, like the hypothalamus pituitary axis, the stress axis, everything that can stress you, like relationship stress, like work stress, but also the wrong diet, stress from food. Then what, what we all talked about, like all the things in your mouth, like heavy metals, these toxins, root canals, cavitations. This is a super big field to have to bring your focus on. EMFs, pollutants, um, pesticides, like everything that's disturbing you epigenetically, work on this because basically, nowadays, don't get paranoid or go in panic mode. Everybody in my field who learned so much at the end, you figure out that even when you were like super dogmatic over times, um, you get more relaxed when you know all these things. So I, I'm a fan of having a lifestyle that supports doing all these things, but without stressing yourself because it's the most, or the worst thing is always stressing yourself. For example, if you eat the gluten, don't stress about it. If you're having a malignant fillings in your mouth right now, don't stress and panic about it. Just relax, try to go in this yin mode and find solutions because you're living in this world anyways. So why just, why, why panic? Don't panic, find solutions, use them intelligently, know about these things, use what is, use what is useful, reject what is not, that's Bruce Lee's thing, and implement it into a lifestyle. For example, like all these things I'm telling you, I'm doing this anyways, even more extreme. That's why you maybe call me a biohacker. Um, but this is just, the awareness factor I have, it's just the appreciation for my life and health. And your body is an adaption. It can adapt to everything. It's kind of like a machine. I'm always saying, if, if they're too strong, you're too weak. So your body has to be able to deal with this. You have to be able to regulate in between sympathetic and parasympathetic. For example, if I'm doing surgeries, of course I have to, be, have, to have a little adrenaline and stuff. But at the end of the day, I have to switch off and go on parasympathetic. So find what is stressing you, work on all these things. Don't do everything at once. Maybe start, normally I would always say, start with the basis, which is your physiological body. Is there any stressor in your mouth, heavy metals, etc.? This is a really big thing and you mm -hmm. need someone skilled. Then of course your lifestyle. What about your food? Have, do you have any SNPs? Is there a deficiency in vitamin D3? Do all these biohacking tricks, everything you can. Measure your sleep, quantify if you like. And, but go out in nature. This will be even more important if there's 5G coming. Ground yourself. Look in the sun. Do this light diet thing for Matt Maruka. Do all the things you find and go with your intuition. Basically, the goal will be if you're healthy on not just the base, but mentally, emotionally, spiritually, you will feel like a little kid on a daily basis. This was my goal when I wasn't healthy. 
15, 20 years ago, I just wanted to become 14 again. That means I don't think negatively. I just have ideas, millions of them. Just go out and play. I wake up, have a lot of energy, smash the day, structure it, and then I go to bed, pass out in 10 minutes at least, and sleep through the whole night and repeat and having a blast. Yeah, this is just fun. I'm doing this for fun and don't stress about it. <laughs> well, I love that advice. And I think that is a good place to leave our listeners. If anyone is interested in getting to know more about you or your work, where is the best place for them to find the information? So the clinic is www.dnaesthetics.com. There's a button for English, so there's everything available in English. Maybe you'll put it in the show notes. And you can find me on Instagram. It's Dr. Dom1, D-R-D-O-M-E-1. Everything is linked there too. Um, just type in my name in Google. You will find a lot of things, I guess, in terms of biological dentistry. There's a YouTube playlist for English listeners out there. You can just type on my uh, YouTube, Dr. Dominic Nischitz on YouTube, and then you find the biological dentistry playlist. Just watch through that and you, I, I uh, yeah, take you to, through all the things that are interesting and a lot of articles you will find on my website under the download section. So basically all my information is out there for free and the book, I'm just mentioning it right now, it's already, you can pre-order it now, just since last week on Amazon, dot com and co uk and the book is called it's all in your mouth and it's about comment it's about biological dentistry wonderful well thank you again so much for coming on and sharing your knowledge with all of us thank you for having me i appreciate it thank you so much for listening today you are the driving force behind this podcast so if you liked this episode, please let me know by leaving a review. And I would also love it if you could share, text, email, or even screenshot the podcast episode and share it on your social media and be sure to tag me, biocurious underscore Kayla, so that I can repost your post. This really helps me to grow the podcast and continue bringing useful, actionable health information from amazing experts from around the world straight to your ear. 